Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily National Football League podcast on the number one sports daily podcast network. I am Brian Peacock. That is the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. And those are the handles to tag if you want to get involved in tomorrow's draft morning Twitter Thursday show. We have tweeted that out as well if you want to just reply to our tweets and have some last-minute questions for the 2020 NFL Draft, which is, Matt, tomorrow. Can you believe it? Yeah, it is. Well, I'm going to be honest. You're very good at disguising things, and you know all the radio tricks <laughs> and all that. And before you were on board, I was just brutally honest. I mean, it is actually Tuesday around noon right now. And so I want to wish everyone a happy draft day, Eve, Eve. But you're probably listening to this on draft day, Eve. So happy draft day, Eve, to you. Um, awesome guest yesterday with Matt Miller. And the reason we've been kind of doing these, uh, uh, recording them a day in advance, is because it makes no, we usually record around noon Eastern. There's, it makes no sense to record on Thursday. It doesn't get into your little ear sockets until two o'clock, and then the draft's a couple hours away. So, we're going to record Twitter Thursday, Wednesday around noon, get it to you early Thursday morning, give you more time, and kind of make that a generic show. If you want to ask boxers or briefs or any of that kind of stuff, that's fine too. Um, but, you know, so that's how our week has gone. It's been two awesome back-to-back weeks here. And so I just wanted to be honest with you folks. So happy draft day, Eve Eve. And really have to draft day Eve because you're listening to this tomorrow. Yes. Or if you waited an extra day, happy draft day. <laughs> yeah, if it happens Eve. to be Thursday, then happy draft day. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, oh. Uh, we're we're going to finish up Matt Williamson's positional rankings. We've got QBs and CBs, quarterbacks and cornerbacks on today's show. There is some news as well. And, yeah, it's, we're getting these shows for you first thing in the mornings this week. And, you know, after... Friday, we'll actually record it Friday. So if any big mm-hmm. news happens, this is a Wednesday podcast. If there was big Wednesday morning news, we haven't hit it yet, but we'll hit it tomorrow and so on. And then we'll have everything from the first round. We'll plenty of talk about on Friday's show and then the rest of the draft starting again Monday. So we will have everything covered and uh, every angle of what went down during the NFL draft for you all week long next week, starting Friday this week. But today we're going to talk QBs, cornerbacks, and a little bit of news here. How about this one, which is just, uh, you were, I knew this one was going to come. This is from the Andy Cohen show, apparently. Rob Gronkowski says he is, quote, not totally done playing football. Wow. I mean, I kind of hope he doesn't. I, I, I mean, I, I very much root for people not ending their amazing careers on a bad note. And even his last season wasn't Gronk-like, but it just shows how important he was after he left, how much of an impact that made, even when he was 75% of himself that, that last year. You know, and obviously he was missed a big time last year, this past season, but made huge plays in the Super Bowl and is still, you know, a, a massive difference maker. Would he go back to the Patriots without Brady, though? I mean, that just seems odd. I mean, it's not like the Patriots are going to let him go to Tampa or something. <laughs> I, I mean, is his back ready for this type of thing? I mean, what's did he lose weight? Is he in good enough shape? Didn't he do some WWE stuff? 
I think he signed a contract or something. Yeah, he's under contract, but those WWE things aren't really happening. And he did look like he lost 30 pounds when I saw him on TV. And by the way, he's not great on TV. He's just a little bit too corny for me. And it's like, okay, I get your shtick, Rob Gronkowski. It's nice once a year. I don't think I need to see you every Sunday trying to break down football and being all goofy and being the Gronk. So if he wants to come back and play some football, I'd rather see him on the football field, I think, than on TV. Maybe that's what he is, is a football player who's impersonating a, a color person slash, you know, <laughs> yeah. slash analyst. Right. I've said this before, though, and I don't feel super strong about it, but quarterbacks aside, I think he's the best player of this generation. Number one. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just I would rather guard Odell Beckham. I would rather guard Julio Jones. I would. He just the, the problems he presents. And obviously the Brady Belichick thing helped because they got everything out of him. I just think he's the guy that's most indefensible. And sure, Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, those guys are in this conversation. It's not clearly him, but he's never regarded in that that light. That's how good I think he was. That is high praise. That praise yeah. doesn't get any higher than that. That's interesting. And I never thought about it quite that way, even though he is a walking mismatch. And it's interesting because I think a player that retires early and you're beaten down by the NFL and the grind of it and your body physically, and you start to feel good because you have some rest. And I wonder about Andrew Luck, too, and some players like that. It's like, okay, did you love playing football all your life and you're that young? You know, you're 30 years old. I mean, I'm much older than that, and I'm going to continue to play whatever slow pitch softball until... I can't run the bases anymore, right? Until I'm 70. Hopefully, I see this old. I used to uh, play slow pitch softball with a guy who was a left handed pitcher, and he would smoke a cigarette between innings. He was 70 <laughs> years old, and he was still playing. I was like, yes, that is my idol right there. I love that. But, right. you know, if you love the game, and second base and you right. start feeling better, and it's like, man, I, I want to get it back out there and play. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to see Gronk back. I would love to see Andrew Luck back in the NFL. Yeah, get healthy and come back and play. That'd be That'd be cool. Yeah, I root for Luck to come back. I don't know Gronk coming back would, would go as well. And, and even like Big Ben being out this whole year, I know there's a lot of questions about, well, is his arm going to be the same? He had a shoulder or he had an elbow injury. But one thing I've mentioned on the Steeler Network is his lower body is lovely, loving life. <laughs> you know, like his knees and right. ankles and all the things he used to fight every day, they've been up on the couch for a year. You know, guys like that that don't have – portions of their body that are always getting beat up that are chronic for them get a little break i don't know contract wise but if you're a team and you heard that and you needed a tight end like you're he's already his phone is already ringing right his agent is talking to teams being like hey is he gonna come back because let's go i would imagine i mean i would think tampa would want him you know i mean oj howard doesn't seem to fit in down there would you have to trade him to the patriots i assume he's still patriot property Hey, Gronk for Howard straight up. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing wrinkle in all this if Gronk ended up in Tampa with Tom, too. Yeah. Some other news. Have you read those uh, Bob McGinn articles? He's great every draft year. They're He's awesome. got such great connections. And the latest was about linebackers. And there's a number of scouts that I would not hire based on some of these. And I think some of these scouts, maybe their na- their voice doesn't ring out in their own draft room. So they want to talk to Bob and, and get Good their point. hot takes out there. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are really insightful, though. And you read these articles and it makes you hate every player because they're so negative <laughs> about a lot of these guys. And right. uh, the, the latest was linebackers and Isaiah Simmons. And one of those anonymous scouts said that Isaiah Simmons is the most overrated player in the draft. Are you buying that one? 
Um, I haven't read today's today. Linebackers came out today. Again, this is Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, I've read every other one that he's done and I really enjoy them. And I definitely learned something from every player write up. I've also been on the other end of those and the scouting reports aren't rosy and kind. So listening to these quotes isn't foreign to me. I mean, th- there's a lot of that and these are real people and boy, he's got a problem with alcohol. He's got no chance, you know, th- things like that. I mean, that, those are said in draft rooms and whatnot. Simmons being the most overrated guy in the, in the draft though, I guess the logic behind it. And again, I haven't read that paragraph yet is yeah, he's a free safety, but he's not Earl Thomas. Yeah. He's a linebacker, but he's not Bobby Wagner or Luke Keekley. you know? Yeah. He can play the slot, but wouldn't you rather have Christopher Harris play in the slot? You know what I mean? Like, yes, he can do a lot of things, but does that mean he's awesome at all of them? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a little bit of that question with a prospect that's going to go much later in the draft in Antonio Gibson, and he's being so hyped up and everyone loves him so much for good reason. But I see a player who's not a running back and not a wide receiver, and I'm seeing his stock soar to the point where, some team's going to draft him as a gadget wide receiver before T. Higgins, who's actually a pretty good wide receiver that just didn't happen to work out all that great. And then it starts to be like, okay, pump the brakes a little bit here because he can do a lot of things doesn't mean he's he's good even at at one of those things. Uh, I don't feel quite that way. You have to have a position. You have to go to a position room and have a responsibility on every snap. And I could see a team being like, yeah, you know what? We don't like him top five. But saying he's the most overrated player in the draft, would that scout not take him if he fell to fifteen? Right, right. I mean, that, that's ludicrous to me. Maybe you look at a guy like Brown or Akuda, who we'll get to here, and say they're better. They can help me more on game day. I could understand that logic. But I also think there is something to positionless football and having him just run and hit and, you know, dealing with the Lamars and Mahomes and oh, Josh yeah. Allen's of the world. I mean, he does bring a lot to the table. If I'm in the same division as Lamar Jackson, I'm trading up to get Isaiah Simmons. That's exactly the type of player you need, that player you right. just described, even if he's not the best at any one of those positions, to be able to uh, cover and run and chase and do the things he can do. And uh, unless you think he's not and all, all the off-field reports and high character, and you would think that he's a guy that could learn whatever he didn't, get to learn in college about playing one of those positions, which I assume is going to be linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought up Gibson too, because he tested so well, he looked good at the senior bowl. He's the most efficient player in the history of offense because he's scored and has done so much every time he touches the ball. Well, that ratio is not going to keep up and you watch him run routes to your point. He's not a route runner. You watch him as a running back. He runs very high and kind of stiff. I mean, he may not even be Cordero Patterson. I mean, he might just be a return guy. Yeah, and if you if you have to try really hard just to get the ball into his hands three times a game and you're going to draft that guy in D2, that's not a good draft pick. You know, I liked him when he was yeah, a, right. a fifth-round guy. It's like, okay, let's have some fun here. You're talking about top 100, and you have to give me, I think, a little bit more, and I have to know exactly how I'm going to use you, and you have starters potential. And there's expectations then. Like, you use right. a second or third round pick on this guy. You can't just redshirt him all year or have him active on game day, just returning kicks. You know, you need something out of these guys. It's different if he's a fifth round pick, to your point. A couple of quick nuggets of news next, and then we'll talk top corners and top QBs. How about this one from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network? He said, the Redskins have begun receiving calls from teams that are interested in moving up to pick two 
They really like the player that's assumed that's going to go there. Everyone knows, and it's not a secret, I think that Chase Young will be the pick if Washington stays. The question is, is the team trying to move up to get Young? Is the team trying to move up to get a quarterback? Is this Washington just putting out feelers saying, let's see what kind of offers we get here? I bet it's more the latter. You know, tis the season for, hey, we're open for business. No one's been calling us yet. I'm sure they're very comfortable taking Young. They would not be at all upset with that, in my opinion. That's probably been the plan since day one. A very Rivera thing to do. But, you know, we ran mocks, and I had Washington trade out of two. And in the end, they ended up with, like, three quality starters for the value of that pick. That might make them a better team. There was some rumors about the 49ers from Mike Lombardi that they wanted to trade a number of veteran players, Quan Alexander, D. Ford, Jaquaski Tart, and Marquise Goodwin. And then uh, John Lynch had his press conference with reporters yesterday, and he squashed most of those except for one. And it's rare that you hear a GM say, yep, we're trying to trade that guy, and they are. And they, he said he's been close to trading wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. There's some smoke that maybe the Dallas Cowboys have had some interest in Marquise Goodwin. I don't think they'll get much of a pick. It'll probably be a late-round pick if they do trade Marquise Goodwin. But he admitted, yeah, we're, we've been close, and we are exploring options trading Marquise Goodwin. But he squashed the others. He said, no, we love the other guys. D. Ford, Jaquaski Tart. And Quan Alexander sticking around. Alexander's the one I could see most because yeah. the rookie Dre Greenlaw played so well, and you already have Fred Warner there at linebacker for the 49ers. But the other two don't make a lot of sense because you're not trying to actively get worse. You're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Right, right. I hadn't heard Tart. I heard Alexander and Ford, and immediately thought, boy, Ford doesn't make much sense to me, but maybe you want to get out from Alexander's contract. You got good young linebackers there. Maybe you regret paying him what you did. Um, but it, it is refreshing to hear a GM saying, yeah, we're trying to, to help Goodwin here. You know, we're going right. to, we, we do want to ship him out. He wants to go and you know, he, they're going to get it. They're going to draft the receiver is basically what that tells me. And I, I think it's really pointing in that direction. And, uh, John Lynch said that he's open for business at 13 and 31 in round one, but he said it'll be tougher from 13 because he believes there'll be a foundational player there at 13. And it pretty much goes exactly what I had talked about in the mock draft. And that's exactly the way I did it in the mock draft. Stay at 13, take one of those really good blue chip players, maybe move down from 31 if a team wants to get into the end of round one. Yeah, I, I think they're in really good shape. One last one, this is from Josina Anderson, said that left tackle Trent Williams is still on the table for the Cleveland Browns in a trade from Washington. Nothing is uh, nothing is imminent or super close right now. I wonder if this might be something that happens after the draft if the Browns, say, don't want to go off to tackle and then want to make a trade for Trent Williams instead. Yeah, I mean, you're hearing Thune and Fournette and you, know, you mentioned those Niners. There's a handful of names you're hearing which probably means 10% of them will actually get moved. But Williams, don't you wish he played last year, though? I mean, like, yeah. boy, he was a great player, but he just threw an extra year on his expiration date, and you haven't seen him play football in well over 365 days. So am I giving you the first, you know, a, a, a star? I mean, a, a first for that? Is that, uh, yeah. I mean... And I wish I just knew a little bit more what I was buying. And $20 million a year on top of it because right. he's not playing for you unless he's getting that type of money. So that's a tough one. And teams like the Jaguars with Yannick Ngakwe and that very public. Did you see that argument between yeah. co-owner Khan? And, and and you don't see that very often either. With uh, And it was funny because the mic drop from 
Tony Khan, the co-owner of the Jaguars, to Yannick Ngakwe. He was pretty much yelling at him on Twitter saying, trade me. He's like, yeah, you're really helping out your stock right now because we're trying to get max value. And it's like, I don't think these teams are going to get what they're asking for guys like Ngakwe and Williams. So do they drop the asking price or do they just have this player who's not going to play for him? Yeah, I mean, I think the situations are different. I think there's more optimism than Washington now than there was. But these aren't exactly model franchises. I mean, Nadakwe wants out. Fournette wants out. I mean, are they going to get a fifth-round pick for Fournette? I mean, they traded Calais Campbell for a fifth. Is Nadakwe going to bring his true value? Probably not. You know, I mean, everyone knows these guys want out. And Williams is sort of similar in Washington. Um, I, I don't, don't think the teams are going to get what they want. And it's kind of a buyer's market for three good players. Jags got to be kicking kicking themselves. They didn't call Houston and talk with Bill O'Brien about their running back first. <laughs> there you go. Let's talk quarterbacks, Matt. We've got your right. top five passers. And look, the, the top four guys are pretty universal and pretty locked in. There's some question now between who two and three are. But I think everyone has the top four guys in this draft in a certain order. I'm interested to see who your five is and who maybe some quarterbacks that didn't quite make your list are and how you feel about them. But obviously it's Joe Burrow, number one all day for just about everybody. It's is so clean with the way he played last year, one of the best seasons ever and the makeup of Joe Burrow. I mean, it's just hard to go anybody else there, but what do you see after that? Yeah. I mean, I have very little worries about Burrow. His arms, not great. He's a little overaged one year, one year wonder, but he's obviously one. Two was obviously two for me. I'm also not a doc, so, I mean, I understand that he's had quite a few, several surgeries, and I do trust him. He's a smaller guy. I I mean, I worry about his durability, but I can't factor that in sitting here at my house as much as I just watching on tape. So there's a gap after Tua for me. Herbert is three. Love is four. And I have concerns about those guys, to be honest with you. And I have Jake Fromm, number five. And mostly because I think his arm isn't awful. You know, there's this opinion that he can barely get the ball out there. I mean, I think his arm's okay. It's below average, but it's not a two out of 10. And he's really good from the head up. I mean, that's, I mean, you kick Jacob Eason out of Georgia and uh, what's his face, Ohio State guy who's a stud. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, he's really good mentally and processing and anticipation. So maybe at best, maybe he's a case Keenum his whole career. I think he could be a more of a Pennington. And it's such a big drop because for Fromm, as much as I like him for the reasons you mentioned, he doesn't have a great arm and it's hard to project him to a long-term starter. So if you're not drafting a starter, how long do you wait? And to me, you, you wait all the way till day three to start drafting those players. And he might go higher than that, but I'm not spending a top 100 pick. We talked about Antonio Gibson earlier. I'm not spending a top 100 pick on a quarterback that I don't think is even going to start for me as much as some coaches might really like Fromm when they talk to him. Yeah, he beat out Justin Fields. He beat out Jacob Eason. And a lot of people have Jacob Eason in the five spot after Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. That's your order. And some people, there's some whispers out there that they might have Eason even ahead of Jordan Love. And with those quarterbacks it's all about the physical tools and can you coach the rest out of them good and bad yeah and I certainly understand that Eason and Hertz have higher ceilings than Fromm and it depends what you want I mean it depends what your makeup of your team is what you're looking for are you swinging for the fences I have a lot of concerns about Hertz Uh, I think Eason needs to sit and would love to see him with Bruce Arians sitting behind Brady and 
um, you know, really learn that way. And then a couple other guys just to throw out there. I think Anthony Gordon, James Morgan, and Jake Luton are kind of interesting too. Like if anybody happens to hit from those fifth rounds and back, just remember those names. But Hertz isn't for me. I mean, I know some people, most people have him five. I, I, I don't like his anticipation. I think he holds the ball way too long. It's tough because he played for such good football teams. Right. And sometimes you, we've seen it a ton in the past where how good everybody is elevates the quarterback and it's not really the quarterback elevating the rest of the team. Then you see Tua come in and just play much better and the whole team is better. And that's not a knock on Hurts that Tua was better. I think most people would agree no, with that. better than most people. Right. And But with Hurts, yeah, you, you don't see that like you see him and then he goes and plays for Oklahoma and it's a similar story where it's like, oh man, okay, I, I can't see how he's going to exactly fit into my NFL offense and be the guy who runs the show. But I like him enough where I would probably still take him over from and I would definitely take him over Eason and, and mm-hmm. some of the other players that are on this list because I do like it. But again, I think another team would probably draft a lot of these guys higher than I would because I don't see the potential that I do in Herbert and Love, even though I don't love Herbert and Love. And for me, I would have Herbert middle of the first round and probably not even take him top five like I would with with Tua and Burrow. I think there's enough gap there between what I saw from Tua and what I saw from Herbert on the field. And Love, especially this year, 2018 looked a lot better for Love. So he's a wild card for me. Yeah, and I can see Love going to Green Bay or New Orleans at the end of the first round. That would be wonderful. Sit there. So here's my question to you. Tua and Burrow are obviously off the board. You're the Chargers at six. Would you go Herbert if Isaiah Simmons, Brown, Becton are all available? I personally would take Simmons or an offensive tackle over Herbert at six if I, I was. Yeah. I'd call Cam Newton. Which is why, and maybe see how, and, and see what happens with Love and Herbert. Maybe it's the Chargers that's that team that jumps back up from round two with the team mm-hmm. at late round one. And then you get Jordan Love and you have, now you have a much better draft haul and you still have that quarterback that you're just, you know, you're flipping a coin on. See if you can develop them. I would rather have Love at 31 than I would have Justin Herbert at six if that's the way this thing unfolds and so that's the way I would be trying to attack this team which is why I think still that there's going to be that trade because the Chargers should go up and get a quarterback in front of the Dolphins and so I just don't know if they're if that hip is going to be you know the medical it's just such a wild card in this draft is a team going to move up for a quarterback because it wasn't for the hip it would be a slam dunk that two is going before five yeah and if I couldn't get two if I'm the Chargers I'm on the phone with Cam Newton if he doesn't want to do it I'm on the phone with Winston I don't hate Tyrod Taylor but this kind of talking out both sides of my mouth, with that early, early third, I might be interested in Hertz or Easton. Yeah, and I could see Easton later. Just see what you get. But, man, I I saw enough. I saw him get beat out by a guy that has a noodle for an arm and Jake Fromm. <laughs> you know, not to yeah. – I mean, he doesn't have a great arm. And just beat him out. And he wasn't even that good in Washington. I just – I have big questions for Easton. And, and I think I feel a little bit better about Herbert and Love, even though I have some questions there as well for how high they're going to get drafted. I also think Easton Stick is somebody no one ever talks about that still has a chance. Oh, that's an interesting name, yeah. And you, those other names you mentioned, uh, Anthony Gordon, he'll, he can mm-hmm. chuck it and he'll he'll take too many chances. <laughs> it's, just, it's a weird quarterback class. And uh, I think uh, behind those first two, I'm just, I don't feel great about it, but spend a pick and see what you get later in the draft. I think that's the kind of class it is after the top for me. Uh, we got to talk corners. Yeah. 
So let's get, if you have any other thoughts on quarterbacks, but we got to get to cornerbacks next. No, let's get to corners. Okay. We've got your top 10 cornerbacks in this class, Matt. And uh, for me, it's tough separating some of these guys, specifically that late round one, early round two area. But let's start at the top. There's a lot of buzz around CJ Henderson right now that he might be the number one corner on some teams' boards. Not for you. You've got the cleanest prospect maybe in this entire draft, in Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State, number one, and Henderson, too. Yeah, and I did 10 different ones of these rankings for Steelers.com, and I will say corners was my hardest. The And that's after the top two. I mean, to me, it's still Okuda, Henderson, question mark. I don't know how many times on on this pod I've said, I don't want a team, that, I don't want to be the team drafting the third corner. I think there's a five or six group, you know, group of uh, five or six dudes in that that next tier, and I kind of look at at it like wide receivers or edge pass rushers. Like Okuda and Henderson can be Michael Irvin. The rest of that group are all Alvin Harpers. <laughs> I like that, and <laughs> I, I like that Okuda just fits everywhere. And he didn't blow people away yeah. with his forty time. There's you know, Patrick Peterson comparisons. Maybe he's not that athletically, but he's just so clean. And I have no problem, no matter what my team is, drafting Jeffrey Okuda early. That's the way I think he's going to go. Number three, if the Lions don't trade out. And then C.J. Henderson, I get it with him too. 6'1", 200, runs a 4'3", He traveled with people. He had some tough competition that he went up against in college and his battle tested. And I love how you put this in your write-up, that he has warranted athletic arrogance and he does play with a little like I think he would try to bait guys and it might even hurt him at times and he did give up some big plays maybe not the most willing tackler which are the knocks against him but he's got all that skill to be one of those shutdown types and uh, I think he's gonna go high and he's absolutely 100% gonna be gone by 16 there's rumors that the Falcons are like ah dang it he's not gonna get to us we got to trade up maybe to get CJ Henderson yeah, I mean, he's a big, athletic, high upside man coverage corner. I mean, it, it's it's almost a Dion argument. I don't care if you tackle. You know, I mean, that's right. down the list. What you do is rare, so you're very coveted. I can see why he's super hot right now. Okuda's just better at football than him, though. I mean, I think he does everything right. better. And I even put this in my write-up, you know, that you know, he didn't tear up the combine. But and because I wanted to put at least something negative about the guy or at least a question, but he had a 41 inch vertical and his spark score was in the 96 percentile anyway. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. pretty good. And he's so big and long and 32 right. plus inch arms. So it just it has everything. And the, the size is, I mean, the speed is still good and fine and, and great. And yeah, Okuda is just so, so clean. Now we're talking it, numbers. It's funny you mentioned that, though. He has the longest arms of any defensive back at the combine. Yeah. Which helps. I mean, that's right. a, that's a big deal. There's teams that specifically look at that, and they're not drafting corners that have arms that are shorter than 31 inches. And some teams, they 32 is the cutoff. If you're running one of those cover three schemes, they like that length. Yeah, and a couple of these guys don't have that. You know, Jalen Johnson, AJ Terrell, um, Christian Fulton. These guys are a little shorter. So Christian Fulton is your third cornerback here. What was the separator from your next group, and where is your cutoff from round one types to day two types? I didn't have a cutoff. I, I, I hated having to put a third guy. I don't really love Fulton that much more than Terrell or Diggs or Gladney. And I think there's a chance all those dudes could end up in the first round, including Jalen Johnson. So there's a group of five because they're corners, because you play with three and every team needs them. And the Chiefs might as well grab one. So there's another corner. But I don't know that I would put Fulton, Gladney, Diggs, 
Terrell, Johnson, and that's my order three through seven in a top 30 or top 32 if I were to actually do a big board. So it's significant enough where you're not really interested in cornerback after Henderson until it starts to become a value again, basically in, in at the top of round two. But it never becomes a value. They're right. like tackles. You know, they yeah. just never become a value. You have to overspend to get a starter. No, it's a good point. And, and it's a good point know. on those tackles, too, because we're going to see Ezra Cleveland that I'm, I want no part of. He's going to sneak into right. the first round if you uh, believe reports. And I see some of that. Travon Diggs didn't run a 40. I think that's going to hurt him and push him out of the first round. A.J. Terrell did run a 40, ran well. I think that's going to absolutely keep him in. And if I had to bet, I think A.J. Terrell is going to be the third corner off the board. You think? Uh, the LSU game yeah. hurts him, and that's the, the lasting memory for everybody. But he had a really good long career and has length and has speed, 4-4-2. Played in that conference, played for a really good team in uh, in Clemson. Uh, I just think that he's going to be the one that ends up going three because he's going to make everybody feel better because of his athletic profile and how long he played at a big-time program. No, I think you have a very good chance to be right about that. And, I mean, you know what? LSU beat up a lot of corners this year, including Diggs. They killed him this year. So if you take those films aside, it's a high, high-quality mm-hmm. you know, career for Terrell. And you mentioned he's tall, he's fast, he's productive. I mean, he may never be a pro bowler, but he's going to be a, a good starter and a high pick. And then you have – so your three was Fulton. So all these prospects have – a ding against him. For Fulton, I think he's probably the third as far as tape goes this last year, but he's got a red flag off the field. He had somebody pee in a cup for him early in his college career because he knew he was going to test positive for smoking pot. Uh, Jeff Gladney, it's the size, but I like his athleticism. I like his scrappiness. There's some off-field stuff, I think, for him that we're hearing when we listen to those uh, anonymous scouts. Trevon Diggs didn't get the chance to run the 40 and, you know, has some games where he played really well and had some games, like you mentioned, where he did get beat a little bit. So if you want just that man corner, be a little bit worried. Maybe the zone teams, the cover three teams like Trevon Diggs a little bit more. Uh, and then you have, what, Jalen Johnson, seven, Noah, uh, Igbehini, I think is how you pronounce no, that I'll one. go with that. Eight. Not and bad. And then uh, a guy I love, Amik Robertson, the 5'8". Slot corner played a lot outside. Plays much bigger than that. Like he's the one where you put on the tape. You're like, yes, I love watching this player. I just wish he wasn't five eight. Yeah, and I had to list him because he's as fun of cornerback tape as you can watch. He gets his hands on the ball. Tough as the day is long. Blitzer near the line of scrimmage certainly is his. Um, you know, it, it's his future in the NFL. He's not going to be an outside guy. I don't hold that against him. I mean, slot corners are starters. He is a nasty little bulldog. And you mentioned some of these other guys. Noah from Auburn, you know, he's a younger prospect with a lot of upside, still learning. Um, Jalen Johnson, to me, is very safe. You mentioned Gladney. I just wanted to mention that he's the oldest of these guys. Like, he's, you know, midway through his 23rd year on the planet. So that's a little bit of a negative. I think Diggs's tape is great, and I don't like to have, have these things hover, but I do wish I knew his 40 time. I mean, it's not a bad corner class. I mean, it goes 15, 20 deep. Some of those are slots that you'll get in the third, fourth round. But the tier two to me is just a foggy group. And then the last guy on your list we haven't mentioned yet, number 10 is Damon Arnett. That is Jeffrey Okuda's running mate at Ohio State. Some really good tape. I think he's more of a plug-and-play guy, but I think he's going to fall quite a bit because he's got everything working against him as far as there's some injury concerns. He's been dinged up quite a bit. Uh, he ran at the combine, but didn't run good. He ran a four, five, seven, a little bit short armed, 30 inch arm length. Um, I just think that 
at the end of the day, he's going to outperform his draft slot because his draft slot's going to be like a fourth round pick just because there's enough question marks on him that teams are going to go in other directions early. Yeah, and he's actually even older than Gladney. I mean, he's the oldest of these guys we mentioned. The thing I think he does have going for him, which is the trump card everybody wants, it goes back to Henderson, is a lot of tape of press man coverage. You know, So at least there's that that you can show the league. Good stuff, Matt. We've knocked out all of the positions. Matt Williamson's 2020 NFL Draft positional rankings. Tomorrow is Twitter Thursday. Get those Twitter questions in. Find the tweet that Matt and I have put out there or just tag at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. And we will talk to you draft morning right here. Locked on NFL.